0: I'd like to propose a toast. And Welcome to Before Brunch. I'm Megan Cassidy and I'm Cassie Delaney and we are your weekly celebrity pop culture social issues entertainment podcast and we go live on Sunday mornings at around 11 a.m. right before brunch Mm -hmm. right before you head off and talk about all the things that we're going to talk about in more detail. I think we should say at the top of the episode this week just in case um, people aren't getting to the end. Make sure you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's you're starting off there with some very, very low self esteem. So we'll just reiterate at the beginning of the podcast that you can tweet us, you can follow us. Please rate, review, and subscribe um, to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. If you want to join the conversation, I'm on Twitter at Cassie Lorraine.
0: And I am at Megan M. Cassidy. And then you'll also obviously find us at Love in Dublin and at Lovin' Lovein Dotie. Love Doty. L-O-V-I-N-D-O-T-I-E. That was very good. Thanking you. Uh, we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, and then we have uh, landing pages on site. So we're pretty much everywhere. But do let us know uh, what you think. We're obviously four
1: weeks in. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: we're three weeks in, four
1: episodes in. Yeah, we, I was looking at this today. We only released first, our first episode 19 days ago. It feels like forever.
0: Um, but we have been blown away by the reaction. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for listening every week.
1: Okay, so it's important to also note the negative reactions. What? My mother. Oh. Okay, so my mother told me in no uncertain terms... This intro bit is too long and we shouldn't be talking about ourselves. And we should just get straight into the good stuff.
0: OK, part of me is like, does she have a point? And um, part of me is like, will you
1: ever go easy on me, Trish? <laughs> ever. Am I ever good enough, mom? Um, yeah, no, she's she's an avid listener now. Now that it's on and she wasn't for season one. But now she's like, because she keeps saying that people that she works with are talking about it. And she was like, yeah, so I checked out your podcast. The intro was too long. And you need to be funnier.
0: That's br- that's brutal. Brutal, honestly. She doesn't get it. No. I do think maybe, I wonder like, should we be talking about ourselves? Should we keep it to the to the good stuff? But then I think, like this is a perennial question, even in the content that we're creating on Love and Dotty and Love and Dublin um, with the writers. Um, it's the constant, do we show our personalities or do we keep it clean and tidy and unified? Is there one voice that we all stick to? Or... Do we branch off and you know do our own thing, give our own little anecdotes, and give a context?
1: Oh, I absolutely love when you're reading someone and someone has thrown in like a random little tidbit of information.
0: It's it's what we decided today actually. Um, one of the girls is doing like a gin review, and she has this. It's Adine. She has this insane talent for picking out tastes Mm -hmm. so she's one of these people that you can give her a dish and she can tell you what ingredients are in it that is a great talent it's a brilliant talent and she just has it and so she knew straight away when she tasted the gin it's the James Joyce gin it was just uh, launched this week and she knew straight away there's cloves in it and there was and she loved it and whatever and we were like, will we say, you know, mention the fact that you have this insane talent or will we keep it straight or whatever? And we went with, yeah, we'll mention that she has that talent. And I think that's the way content is going. <laughs> like, people want to hear people's voices. Um. Okay, so this week we're going to be chatting about, obviously, it was International Women's Day on Thursday, March 8th. So we're going to chat a little bit about that. And it's almost like McFeminism nearly at this point Mm -hmm. the marketing of International Women's Day so we're going to talk about what it means and um how it's celebrated and what you know what's meaningful what's a meaningful way to celebrate it and then what's a kind of a harmful way.
1: Yeah exactly and kind of I think this year was a really pivotal um time and a really interesting um an, inter- an interesting way to celebrate International Women's Day. We saw a lot of companies kind of jump on the bandwagon and how they dealt with it. So we're going to have a bit of a conversation about that and corporations jumping on bandwagons and stuff like that. Mm. But before we get into that, we really need to talk about something that like I was gearing up to talk about for weeks. And then because we had, well, we had pre-recorded last week's episode. Um, so we didn't get a chance to lead into it. But something massive happened in the world of entertainment Okay, I have no idea what you're going to say. The Oscars. Oh, sorry. The 2018 Oscars. Are you one of these people who
0: stays up all night and
1: watches it? I am not one of these people who stays up all night watching it, but I have a movie club and a spreadsheet where I list the films, the categories they're in, the day of their release, and I do my damn hardest to get through all of the films before their general release. You know this because you actually saw the spreadsheet once when we were working together and covered it as a story and you're like, these girls are Oscar-ready nerds. I have absolutely no recollection of that. Maybe it was someone else, but you were definitely there and it was covered on the site that we used to work for and I had to pretend that it wasn't me. It's a good story, but it wasn't me. Okay, well, yeah, we have a spreadsheet, a list, a system, a process. Wow, that makes it really enjoyable, that is. But this year, I will say that I didn't get around to watching all of them. I haven't been this outraged about Oscar season since Angelina didn't win the Oscar for Changeling. Okay. She lost to Kate Winslet for The Reader. Oh. Not Kate Winslet for Revolutionary Road, which she was up against herself, but she lost out to Kate Winslet for The Reader. And I have never recovered from that. Angelina Jolie's scene in The Changeling where she's like, did you kill my son? Did you kill my son? That 30 seconds on its own, completely Oscar worthy, right? Proper outrage. Now, as I go through this list and critique the films that have won the Oscars, bear in mind that I have not seen a lot of them. But I oh have seen, I have seen Three Billboards and yes. I, Tanya, and uh-huh. Lady Bird. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. The top three, like, they were the three that everyone was gunning for in the Oscars yeah. this year. Yep. Absolutely right. The three most deserving films I've seen since... Since let's go back to Angelina's changing year, which I think was like, let's go back. Okay, I think it's like, I don't know, maybe Google that quickly early 2010s ish. Okay, okay, best picture for the shape of water this year is fucking disgraceful. Okay, have you seen haven't seen it, haven't seen it, but it's a mute, a mute woman falling in love with a fish. (laughs) Cassie, what sorry. Can the fish talk? <laughs> like, what possibly happens in that film that makes it Oscar worthy? You what? can't. You know you can't do that. That's not how it I, works. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it because three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri was one of the most touching and beautiful films I've seen in many, many a year. Really. And it deserved Best Picture. Director again, Shape of Water. Okay. The Oscars, as we know, and as I suspect, and it's not a conspiracy theory, it's fact. The Oscars is political. Okay? So, it was Greta Gerwig's time to win the Oscar.
0: Okay. There probably is something there. Mm -hmm. Um, I... I don't think you're allowed, like you're not allowed to follow this line of logic because you haven't seen The Shape of Water. So I'm going to have to just veto it and say
1: not allowed. It was was absolutely on the bottom of my list as well. Talk to me about the politics of Greta Gerwig winning. Okay, right. Well, the Oscars... I thought this year was going to be more political than others because of the times of movement and because of the me too movement. And we're going to actually talk, they're going to come into the discussion later on, but they were two massive feminist movements this year. And we saw them massively disrupt the entertainment industry. And I thought that Greta Gerwig being the only female director to be nominated for an Oscar and the first female director to be nominated for an Oscar in a long, long time. I thought her time was coming and and Lady Bird is a brilliant film. It's a brilliant film, and it pushes the boundaries of filmmaking. Okay, so it's like, I, have you seen it? I haven't seen it,
0: um, and I don't have any interest in seeing it. And actually, along the theme of annihilating movies we haven't seen and people we mm-hmm. haven't seen performing, great theme, in them, great theme. good theme. Um, I am struggling to understand how Saoirse Ronan has been nominated for an Oscar for Lady Bird. Okay, here's I've the seen thing. bits, I've seen clips. She's just doing the moody teenager thing. That's
1: that's exactly what I thought, right? But Lady Bird is not a traditional film in that it's not it's it's chronological and it's linear but it's not like one scene reacting to the next you know like it's yeah. not it's it's almost a sequence of memories from your teens um, and it's like it's about this girl in her final year of school um, and it's just basically these sequence of events and every scene is really short every scene is kind of like less than I would say two minutes and it's just the culmination of all those scenes and the culmination of the things that you remember about your youth being presented in one film so it's a really interesting way to do this film and do this kind of coming of age story and there's a lot of um there's a lot of sort of uh symbolism in the film there's like um basically things in the film that convey that she's the most average person in the world and she's the most like just normal person ever there's absolutely nothing exceptional about this character she is a bit of a moody teen she goes through these arguments with her mother You know, she drinks, she has these relationships, she falls in and out of love, she has sex for the first time, all these kind of things. It's just a very highly relatable film and a snapshot of what it's like to be young, but in a way that's very entertaining and very contemporary. Okay, but you
0: sold the movie there to me. I'm still not seeing Saoirse Ronan for Best Actress
1: her accent's very good
0: her accent is literally all I can give to and look I haven't seen it again but the clips I've seen it's
1: I suppose it's very difficult to build an emotional connection to a character when the film is like that when it's so fast moving and it's just scene by scene and it's not like they don't go into grave detail about her you know her background or her personality it's literally just something happens something happens something happens something happens so but she does build up a bit of a connection with the audience throughout and it is quite a moving so you think she kind of defies the odds of the parameters that are on her because of
0: the structure of the movie and that's why she's been nominated that's
1: like word for word exactly what i just said
0: (laughs) anyway let's let's keep on the subject of tv movies um, and the entertainment industry and talk about, well, the House of Cards season six mm-hmm. teaser was released this yeah. week. And Claire Underwood is going to be at the helm. Yeah, um, And it kind of it ties in nicely with International Women's Day. Um, it's also Women's History Month. Um, and it got me thinking just about f- women uh, and their takeovers and taking over Movies and institutions that are traditionally male. And mm-hmm. this one I am particularly excited about. I don't know. Did you watch House of Cards? Or are you a fan?
1: I never really got into House of Cards. which it's is shameful. incredible.
0: So obviously Kevin Spacey's character. He is the president. And she is the first lady. And Kevin's character. Is, he is a villain 100%. And we love like people love male villains mm-hmm. um, in lead roles they don't love female villains in lead roles like say who would it like well gone girl actually is an example of people loving a terrible woman in a leading role but it, it we don't get the chance to play these roles very often like no. a really complicated a complicated role um so kevin spacey is fine he's he's the villain but claire's character is just all I watched it for it's one of the only things that I have watched more than once over and over again uh, apart from the Tudors yeah yeah I love Tudor history um but
1: I Megan's eyes just went wide and like gleamed I love the Tudors
0: and I also love Natalie Dormer's Anne Boleyn because again it's this idea of a female protagonist not apologizing for being a bad person Mm -hmm. And that is Claire Underwood from start to finish. She's just not a good person. Okay. And there's some sort of, I feel, expectation from us when we watch female protagonists that they have to uphold these values or ethics or they have to be good or
1: there has to be good yeah. in there somewhere. Stoic or like. Yeah. Yeah you know, just highly, inte- like when you look at the other female characters that we have in kind of American, I suppose American dramas really as well. I and mean, we've got the likes of Scandal or The Good Wife or yeah. all those kind of programs, which are on par with um, with House of Cards, would be as popular. Like, yeah. it is that kind of insanely intelligent, stoic, all-knowing, all-being, everything-to-everyone kind of woman. That's
0: it. Everything-to-everyone. Like, if you're going to be a really good lead role... That is obviously not Claire Underwood and I remember in the first season um, she does an awfully horrific, she's a scene where she just fires everyone in cold blood and my myself and my roommate were watching it and we started so, sort of hypothesizing about what might have happened to Claire in her childhood and we were like oh... Oh, she's definitely lost a child, or um, she, you know, You're waiting gave up for a that child excuse. for adoption. Yeah. We had to have an excuse for Claire to be a bitch, but never once did we say try to read into Kevin Spacey's horrific character, um, or you know, give it some sense of meaning or like excuse is the perfect word. Mm-hmm. And you five seasons of waiting for Claire's excuse. And it never comes. She goes to visit her mother. And her mother is just a pretty nice person. And even when she's going to to her mother's house, I'm waiting. I'm like, okay, this is it. This is where we find out why Claire is like this. No, there's literally no
1: reason. Now, maybe... Mm -hmm. In season six, there's going to be some sort of a some reason. Sort of I don't want to be disappointed like as a non-fan or like someone who's never watched it. I'm going to be disappointed if they give you a reason. Now. I Yeah, I don't want. I'm like, I'm so happy for her to just lean into the fact that she's evil.
0: She doesn't apologize for it. Um, she's just not a good person
1: and she's our female lead and I'm obsessed with her. Mm hmm. How have the reactions been to the news that this that this season? Because obviously, House of Cards has been really contentious over the last while. Because obviously, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of scandal around Kevin Spacey last year, and it was announced then that Netflix immediately decided to drop the series, and then it kind of yeah. very slowly was eked out that actually they were gonna they were going to um, continue it on with uh, Robin Wright's character taking the lead. Um, from what I've seen on Twitter, is people are saying it's nothing without Kevin Spacey. You can't just kill off a main character like that and not give any explanation. Because obviously he's... I don't think he even finished filming the scenes that he was um, filming. So there is going to be a very abrupt non... um, You know, there's going to be a very abrupt end to to that.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting because, you know, historically, when a woman takes over a male role like Jodie Whittaker for Doctor Who or... Ghostbusters girls when mm-hmm. they came in as Ghostbusters the the reaction was you've ruined my childhood you've ruined this franchise before the movie even came out it was like go oh, this Ghostbusters is untouchable it was it's men and why is it women um and then similar with Doctor Who similar with Oceans Eight mm-hmm. is it called Oceans Eight or Ocean Eight or whatever um people are like oh why do you need to make it female why can't they have their own thing blah blah blah. Uh, this was different because obviously it followed off the back of horrific allegations against mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey, and there was a lot of ill feeling towards Kevin Spacey. So it's more, I think, a reaction that's sort of technically based. It's like, how are they actually going to make this work format wise, or structurally, mm-hmm. or plot plot wise? Um, I don't care. Like, I I'm I feel bad for them that they have to bother with that annoying yeah. like just detail. I just want to get straight into Claire as president. Um, I'm really interested to see how they do it but I don't necessarily care. But it's interesting the reaction when a woman
1: takes on a role that's traditionally male. Um, The venom. It's interesting because she's playing a fictional role that real life hasn't had yet. Yes. You know she's A female president of America. So they have to anticipate all the reactions to that in itself. Yeah. And they don't have a, you know, a realistic, real life comparison or basis to create that kind of stuff off. That's it, because I think
0: when House of Cards was conceived of, it was definitely obviously satire, but it was um, like you know, multiply by 100, this is drama, this is what could happen in a world where, you know, these things happen. And then what was happening in real life was way more scandalous than what was happening Mm. in House of Cards. So it became this weird, like, they almost had to make it worse in order to catch up with what was happening in real life. So... Yeah, a lot of people were hoping for a female president. So they get to kind of fulfill that wish for people, I suppose, a little bit mm. Um, in in House Cards season six. But I'm just really, really looking forward to it. Um, the reaction to it on Twitter and um, has been positive. Speaking of negative reactions, though, something we always hear every year in International Women's Day is. When is International Men's Day? Why do we have to have an International Women's Day?
1: International Men's Men's Day is a thing. Yeah. It's in November and it's on the same day as International Toilet Day.
0: That is a beautiful coincidence. Coincidence. Mm-hmm. No, I love men. That's no. I really love men.
1: No, like it's it's um we always hear that like you hear <coughs> that you hear those things for any any time there is a movement in favor of one minority mm-hmm. using that word loosely. There is obviously the majority who are like, when is our day? Yeah. You know, so International Women's Day is followed by, inter- you know, when's International Men's Day? Black Lives Matter was followed by All Lives Matter. Mm. There is always a majority waiting to hijack um, a movement. I do want to talk about International Women's Day this year. Um, there's a great piece actually uh, that I was reading today on... Um, on Fortune and it is called For Brands Celebrating International Women's Day 2018, inspirational messages aren't enough anymore. Okay, And this is something that, um, when I was recently, we had talked about this uh, during the week about how brands had kind of jumped on the bandwagon of International Women's Day and that there's now such a pressure to comply or do something or take action or celebrate it or whatever um, and it, it had just become a little bit commercialised but when I was trying to find some sort of commentary or not criticism but just commentary on the phenomenon this was one of the pieces um that i found and it goes through some of the um some of the kind of commercialized activity that occurred yesterday right so if you've been following it or looking at the hashtag you'll see that uh one of the mcdonald's in the states turned their m upside down to Mm. make it a w for international women's day um and then like uber released a video about female drivers and um You know, uh, Mattel released all these new Barbies to to um, kind of, uh, you know, to to recognize some of the more important or to recognize influential women in history. Um, But with that comes great criticism, obviously, as well, because like McDonald's still vastly underpay all employees and Mm. won't give them a living wage. And family leave is a bone of contention for McDonald's. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And then like Mattel, the Barbies that they created representing, I think it's like there was like 17 new Barbies and they're like Amelia Earhart, um, you know, NASA mathematicians, um, Wonder Woman, all these kind of people that they wanted to recognize. But they still conformed those people to the traditional Barbie silhouette, which obviously has been a bone of contention across feminism for years and years and years and years about body image and unrealistic expectations is one of the first bugbears when it comes to any sort of feminist argument. So it just feels like a lot of these corporations kind of jumped on the bandwagon as a means to distract from underlining issues when it comes to equality. Mm. Um, But what is interesting about this and this piece on on fortune is that women are really standing up and saying that look it's not enough to go out and celebrate it what we really want is um you know what we really want is equality what we really want is equal pay what we really want is is fair parental leave or what we really want is fair opportunities and all that kind of stuff
0: yeah so like that's the question that was raised for me is like what's a meaningful way to celebrate international women's Mm -hmm. day and it seems like it's a bone of contention nearly every year there was a lot of hype this year there was a lot of freebies in town like um you know no leader doing free cocktails for anyone who comes in between five and seven in the woman and um, free blow dries in uh dry and fly uh you know just freebies all over the town yeah um and then obviously mcdonald's were giving away three course meals for a tenner and it turned their w upside down um and it reminded me so that was leaving a bitter taste in my mouth this year. And then last year, I remember again, I had questions around how do I celebrate this day when, do you remember there was the um, day without a woman last year mm. on International Women's, Women's Day, you were encouraged to leave work on a half day. Oh yeah, yeah. You and me were texting that day actually. Yeah. It's not that we come down hard on either side, it's that we it we weren't sure how we felt about it and whether Mm. we wanted to leave work and we had loads of different reasons for that like some of them that we discussed at the time were like uh, it's you're in a position of privilege if you have a job that you can stand up and and walk out of there's a lot of women who can't afford to do that and also your work is so important to you and I'm really proud of the work I do I kind of it didn't resonate with me to silence that for a day Mm -hmm. in aid of you know championing women not saying it's it's not it's not meaningful but it just
1: wasn't meaningful for me this is yeah and this is the thing I feel about a lot of um a lot of like solidarity movements not just women's solidarity movements so solidarity movements in a whole right we are fortunate enough that we are in very very good jobs in positions where I didn't I remember this day last year I wasn't in a position where I could walk out because I was working on and managing projects that if I had left would have only created a greater workflow. That being said, I do understand the need for solidarity with the women around the world who aren't in those positions. But just for me, at that time, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I couldn't walk out of work. Um, and there's been times where, like, I've been in work and haven't been able to march in a repeal march or do whatever. But that doesn't mean I'm not in solidarity with those women. I do other things and I use my voice where I can and I've written pieces about it. But because I can't make it to the streets or because I can't walk out of work, doesn't make me any less of a feminist. And one of the things that that is um, that I I hear so much from women is that they feel like they're bad feminists because they don't engage with that kind of activity or they don't do it. And there are people out there in the world that we we have to make you who just that kind of activity isn't for them. I mean mm. yesterday's march, um around uh you know, there was there was a an repeal, repeal march yesterday, uh, which is obviously so important and so impressive. But for someone who has like anxiety or like all that kind of stuff, doing something like that is a is a big ask. Yeah. And it's it's okay to not go out there and march. It's okay to not do that. Yeah. But you shouldn't feel like a shit feminist because of it
0: this is it but that's like maybe it's a good thing that one of the questions that that's at the forefront of our mind on international women's day is am i a good feminist what does it mean to be a good feminist what is feminism is it important why is it important Where, where are we at um and while i'm saying to myself i'm not a bad feminist because i don't walk out of work halfway through the day or because i can't make it to the march i'm scrolling through my Instagram timeline and I'm looking at bloggers putting up influential women's day quotes and I'm like oh whatever fuck you what are you doing Mm -hmm. for women like you're and I'm like hold on I'm saying that she's a bad feminism I'm judging her the quality of her feminism by judging this quote and judging how meaningful her Women's day action is Mm -hmm. um and then you know Brittany puts up a picture of the Super Bowl yesterday and she's like happy international women's day and I was like go on Brittany, that's, that's how you're celebrating it today. But um, like when we look back at International Women's Day and what it is, I had a look at it and it's actually been around since the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. And the really sad thing is, it kind of a, the first recording of it um, is in 1908, there was a march in New York um, and it was to highlight the gender pay gap. And We're still. We are still there.
1: the gender pay gap. So
0: obviously um, the aim there was to reach full gender equality. Um, But here we are in 2018 and like we're looking at 2186 before the gender pay gap is closed. Yeah. So that's still obviously um, front and center. But how many people on the street do you think yesterday would have known the theme of this year is International Women's
1: Day or... Yeah, but I don't... I just don't think that... I don't know. Like, I don't think it's necessarily that important. I think if you're a woman and you're marching, you're going out, you're celebrating International Women's Day, then you're acknowledging in some extent that you either feel oppressed or you recognise that women are oppressed. And mm-hmm. um, I think the only way you can be a bad feminist is uh, ever if you turn around and you say, we don't need feminism. Um, because that's just such a narrow narrow view to have when you look at the treatment of women globally you can see of course there are women in sub saharan Africa that still can't access education like of course we need feminism and there is the gender pay gap it's still in existence there was actually a great video yesterday put out by um Tiny arc and a producer called uh, Siobhan Kyo, and it was that uh, lovely video shot around Dublin, just showed women getting twenty or fourteen percent less than men in everything they did. They got their point was fourteen percent. Very good video and a very good way of illustrating um, what it actually means. I wouldn't come down too hard on any woman who's I'm not bandwagging but going along with it and being a part of the movement Neither without I. knowing the details. Yeah, but I do think as as a woman and um, as a professional woman as any sort of woman it is your the onus is on you to understand the, yeah. these things yeah, and you do have to do a bit of work and research um, mm. around that. Well like I'm certainly not saying
0: that I'd go around town and be like if you don't know the theme then you're not allowed to celebrate. I'm, it, my point is more why are we like what is the good of in, is International Women's Day actually an yes. effective way of raising these issues like maybe it is for Mm -hmm. people who are interested in that but most a lot of people aren't and and in work um in workplaces all over the country i know that the running theme is the lads saying oh it's fucking international women's day Mm -hmm. and you just get free stuff all day and free stuff in the bar and whatever um i don't know just it's it's striking me as as weird obviously the it's this year it's very timely because the it's all about sexism and gender parity and obviously this year was a massive year for sexism. Um,
1: Yeah, I think that's the the thing that has come up in some of the commentary is that the reason that the likes of McDonald's and Uber jumped on International Women's Day is because there's marketing teams sitting around the country, sitting around the globe, who are like, how can we counteract the negative publicity that we've had throughout the year, right? So you look at Uber, they absolutely had to do Something. Something it doesn't matter, whatever they did was going to be criticized. Focusing on their female drivers, not the way to counteract the allegations of sexism in their sea level. I missed there, I missed
0: Uber's. Um, oh, like it was just
1: stupid. What was it? They just released a video, it's in this piece here. Um, they just released a video about like what it's like to be a female driver and um. Basically, saying, like, oh, hey, look, Uh, it was in their Asian markets and it was to disprove myths about female drivers there. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm sure that there's, I'm sure Uber being such a global company works in kind of silos and the Asian marketing team where that kind of region decided to release this video. And probably the most affecting problem there for women was the myth that women can't be Uber drivers. But for Uber to release a video that says women can be drivers when they have faced this kind of year of criticism over women in high-level positions or women in STEM um, positions, it's kind of a bit of a yeah it's no, just a, a bit a of boobo. a foolish one or like even the mcdonald's turning the m upside down to represent women and saying oh an upside down m is for women and people are like well, what happens when you turn it back the other way around what does that stand for <laughs> and of course you're like oh it's mcdonald's but you're like it's so indicative of what the world is like yeah um, So, yeah, but that's what a lot of people are saying is that because this year the two biggest sort of viral political movements or like socioeconomic movements would have been the Me Too campaign and Time's Up, that corporations just felt the absolute need to do something for International Women's Day.
0: Yeah, that's it. Without looking at themselves and saying, what do we actually do for women? Yeah. You know, which would be a really great way to spend the day. Yeah, you know, have a workshop. Just, just a couple of hours. W like. for workshop.
1: <laughs> just workshop that strategy. Um, yeah, and but like, I'm just so glad that that this year it it really is transparent that a lot of people are like, oh, come on, you can't just put out free cocktails and pretend that everything is okay. You yeah, can't just give us your 10 euro three course meal and that be it. Like, we are just so much wiser than that. And I think that um, it. You know, there's there's been a couple of moments in the last kind of year and stuff where it's been really reflective of how political women have become. Um, and and, you, you know, you look at you look at this week, whatever, and then you look at like Frances McDormand expect er, accepting her much deserved Oscar for three billboards oh outside of Ebbing, Missouri last week. And her closing words of her speech were inclusion writer.
0: Um, now, to, just to lower the tone a little bit, because I feel like we've been too highbrow for a long time. What about Emma Watson's grammar oh, mistake on her arm? Stop. So she obviously rocks up to... It was the Oscars, wasn't it? It was the Oscars, um, yeah. On the Oscar red carpet, and she had, obviously, a fake tattoo. But like, I really want to think about how this happened. Like, I want every detail of how it happened. So... I have her like so. the The tattoo was missing an apostrophe. So times up without the apostrophe. Could have drawn it on. You took the word like if I'm in the car on the way and I look down and I'm Emma Watson and I see okay times up but no apostrophe.
1: No, she didn't realize. She definitely did not realize until that was criticized. Did Bridie not look at her arm or did she actually make the grammar mistake? Like, does she not know her grammar? Like, does Emma Watson not have good grammar? No she she has to. She has, she's very articulate. She's a very intelligent woman. But
0: maybe her grammar is not that fucking good. Fair point. Maybe. Like, I'm thinking okay, she's sitting there and she's getting hair and makeup done and meanwhile someone is Doing like the tattoo, doing this tattoo, and
1: it's a peel-on tattoo. Maybe it's the peel-on. last tree did didn't work. Like maybe it got a little bit stuck on it the didn't.
0: paper, and it just now <laughs> here's and you know she's like the dress had loads of embellishment or whatever, and I was putting myself in her shoes, and I was like, okay, she's busy, and she's got embellishment on her dress, and she's got this new short fringe, and there's a lot going on, and yeah. she's going. The fringe is is very time-consuming. The fringe is quite like you'd be quite obsessed with yeah. the fact that you were de- you know showing off this fringe, and like maybe she looked down and like some of the embellishment looked like an apostrophe or maybe she didn't see but
1: here's what absolutely okay there's one of two things that could have that would have happened mm. she didn't notice until it was criticised or she did notice and she thought to herself probably rightly so no one's give a, gonna give a shit about this apostrophe because, because, it's, the too, because it's too <laughs> important the message itself overrides the need for the apostrophe but no guys no. The,
0: I am sorry I am love the Time's Up movement obviously Grammar is really important too and like her whole thing like she's Hermione and she's like so clever she can never criticise someone's grammar again ever like this will follow her to her grave time's up no apostrophe if you're in the car and you're Emma Watson and you spot this right before you get out get a pen do you get out I would I'd absolutely throw a hissy fit like I know I'd be a diva I think
1: I really do think that she would have thought to herself ah it's only an apostrophe it's grand Nobody is going to be that ridiculous that the headlines are about the apostrophe. But it was. Of course it was. Of course it was. Because we're only waiting. We're only waiting for someone to leave an apostrophe out of the Times Up movement.
0: But it's just, it's Emma Watson.
1: (laughs) And she's trying
0: to do this cool thing. She's like, oh, I'm edgy. She's coming out with a short fringe and a fake tattoo. I've got a fake tattoo. It shines still on it. Oh Lord above! Um, yeah, I just thoroughly enjoyed that this week. It was one of my most enjoyable moments on on the red carpet. Okay, I'll give it to you. I also enjoyed like the extensive beveling, like the you know that pose where they you just. Cut, like, tw- tweak your knee a little bit, but you keep your feet together. Oh, yeah. It's like a really Rockettes pose, and it's really old, and I haven't seen it in years. And people were bringing it back. Like, Nicole Kidman had the slit in her dress, and she had the little bevel pose. I was thrilled. But no, Emma's tattoo. I just, I really got into how mm. this happened and how she feels about it. She hasn't made a joke about it, probably because it's too.
1: I she, think she, did she not kind of. Um, oh, did she? I think she did kind of, She. She. she sort of made a little bit of a.
0: Okay, okay, I've just found it. So she tweeted fake tattoo, proofreading, position available. Experience with apostrophism. Cassie, she's blaming this on her people. That's not uh, no. that's not self-deprecating. That that is not self-deprecating. <laughs> You're I irate. know Emma Watson. <laughs> that is not her saying
1: that this was her mistake. No, okay. It's not her poking fun at herself. It is a bit of a it is a bit It's my people. Fucked up. Someone's fired. Oh my God. This is on. um, The piece I'm reading it on now has a close up. (coughs) Excuse me. Has a. To see if there's any (laughs) remnant of an apostrophe that just didn't (laughs) stick properly. It just has a gorgeous close up of the tattoo. Just to remind us all of the lack of apostrophe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. On that note. um, Time is up. Time. Time is up with an apostrophe. <laughs> yeah. um, but we actually can't. We can't end it like that. We cannot equate the end of our podcast to a political movement, although that was a good segue. Should I cut this?
0: <laughs> the segue is good. Leave it It So you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud. Tweet us, Megan M. Cassidy, at Cassie Lorraine. Um, we're also on Instagram. And uh, yeah, so... Until next week, we bid you adieu. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.